Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Happy Tuesday to you. It is Giving Tuesday, and it's appropriate, given that we're honoring the life of former First Lady Rosalind Carter in and around Atlanta throughout the day today. I happen to live along the John Lewis Freedom Parkway, and I can tell you there have been motorcade after motorcade after motorcade traipsing down the parkway, uh, connecting from I-75 from the Atlanta airport, headed towards the Carter Presidential Library and Emory University and back and forth. It's just been uh, quite, quite, quite a bit of traffic of uh, mostly blackened sedans and vehicles, SUVs and that sort. And of course, police escort, Secret Service escort along with because the list of dignitaries long today, President, First Lady, former presidents and first ladies and secretaries of state, politicians and dignitaries at every level of government in Atlanta today to pay tribute to the former first lady. Uh, Before we dive into more of that, later in the show, we will be joined by Cathedral Phillips from A-Reach here in Atlanta, as well as Jeff Graham, Executive Director at Georgia Equality, and Heather Friedman, Chief Marketing Officer with Lifeline Animal Project, giving the abundance of my show today over to discussing those three organizations and how you can help them carry on their causes this Giving Tuesday. I, I, in fact, I learned about A-Reach earlier today, and I'm blown away that there is such a wonderful organization that exists that works on brain health, mental well-being for underserved and marginalized youth in and around Metro Atlanta. Just excited to, to talk with Katedra about her organization, and uh, hopefully that, uh, that conversation will spark some benevolence on your part. So we learned, weren't even sure until I think late yesterday, that former President Jimmy Carter, who is 99 years of age and in home hospice himself, would be able to attend memorial services here in Atlanta. That's a long drive from Plains, Georgia for and healthy individual to deal with. We understand that um, while he is in home hospice care since late February, uh, after some hospital stays, attended today's service after staying overnight so that he would be well enough to attend his beloved's memorial services today. What a love story. I don't understand yet how Hollywood has not picked up on this love story and turned it into something befitting the Carter story. Eleven of their grandchildren, honorary Paul Bearers, along with son James Earl Chip Carter, welcoming mourners, daughter Amy, presenting a reading, a grandson and great-grandchildren reading scripture. Just an, uh, just a beautiful tribute. We will uh, share the entire ceremony. There's a YouTube link out already. We'll have that in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. At this hour, as the show airs, again, 5 to 6 p.m. weekdays on America One Radio before going to podcast. Here it is in the 5 o'clock hour, and the motorcade carrying the former First Lady and her family back to Plains, Georgia, should 
be in Clayton or Henry County by now. Eh, it's Atlanta traffic, maybe not. Anyway, there will be a funeral service uh, tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. at the Carter's Home Church, Maranatha Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia. There will be a burial uh, in front of the Carter's house and a private ceremony uh, on their property. Grandson Jason, a state politician, former gubernatorial candidate, (laughs) with probably the line of the day, honestly. And again, a special thank you, Secretary Clinton, Mrs. Bush, Mrs. Obama, Mrs. Trump, and Dr. Biden. Thank you all for coming and acknowledging this remarkable sisterhood that you share with my grandmother. And thank you all for your leadership that you provided for our country and the world. Secretary Clinton and Dr. Biden, we also welcome your lovely husbands. Oh, man. There's still a political future for that young fellow, I believe. There was the touching moment when daughter Amy Carter read a 75-year-old letter from her father, Jimmy, to Rosalind when he was away in the Navy. I chose something that is hard to read without crying, so be patient. My mom spent most of her life in love with my dad. Their partnership and love story was a defining feature of her life. Because he isn't able to speak to you today, I am going to share some of his words about loving and missing her. This is from a letter he wrote 75 years ago while he was serving in the Navy. My darling, every time I have ever been away from you, I have been thrilled when I returned to discover just how wonderful you are. Mm. While I am away, I try to convince myself that you really are not, could not be, as sweet and beautiful as I remember. But when I see you, I fall in love with you all over again. Does that seem strange to you? It doesn't to me. Goodbye, darling. Until tomorrow. Jimmy. Former PBS NewsHour anchor Judy Woodruff recalling one last conversation she had with the former First Lady. I last interviewed President and Mrs. Carter together in Plains in July 2021 as they were celebrating their 75th wedding anniversary. I asked them how they thought President Biden was doing early in his term. President Carter was very specific on issue after issue. and quite complimentary of the new president. Mrs. Carter said simply, it's a great relief to have him in office. Bear in mind now, the former first lady, Melania Trump, was invited and attended today's funeral service. One of, I I saw nothing but folks donning black at the funeral, and yet Melania wore what appeared to be a powder blue Dress suit of some sort. Okay, that's a choice. A lot of folks on social media made noise about that. Uh, You know what? I I don't know what the customs are in her home country, so perhaps that is appropriate. 
I attended a funeral uh, a few weeks ago, and I know I wore dark clothing, and I believe I wore a tie. Pretty sure I wore a tie. I think I wore a tie. Um, I'm looking at uh, funeral etiquette from advancedetiquette.com. Colors to avoid. Red, orange, and yellow. Anything that has bright and cheery flowers or other bold and loud patterns. Well, Melania avoided that. Again, it was powder blue. I go to uh, women should wear... It does say a dark or black suit, pantsuit, or similar outfit that is subdued. The key here is to have at least one good set of clothes for occasions like these, and I'm sure Melania does. So, eh, debatable, but not really worth nitpicking over. This is more about honoring the life and the memory of the former First Lady, Rosalind Carter. By the way, the Carter Center unearthed a poem that her husband, Jimmy, who again was in attendance, you you can tell he's 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 with us and struggling. Bless him. Um, anyway, he wrote this poem for Rosalind back in 1995. The Carter Center uh, Carter Center sharing it on social media. It goes, Rosalind. She'd smile and birds would feel that they no longer had to sing, or it may be I failed to hear their song. Within a crowd, I'd hope her glance might be for me, but knew that she was shy and wished to be alone. I'd pay to sit behind her, blind to what was on the screen, and watch the image flicker upon her hair. I'd glow when her diminished voice would clear my muddled thoughts like lightning flashing in a gloomy sky. The nothing in my soul with her aloof was changed to foolish fullness when she came to be with me. With shyness gone and hair caressed with gray, Her smile still makes the birds forget to sing and me to hear their song. So I know we've we've gone on about the life of the former First Lady for quite a while now. It is, after all, uh, nine days since she passed. I spent most of last week on the road. It was Thanksgiving. Uh, I was out again yesterday traveling back, unfortunately. So we re-aired last Monday's tribute to Rosalind Carter. And for that... I make no apologies. I know that this is mostly a political uh, affair show, uh, and we will return to that tomorrow in earnest. <laughs> Trust me, there's plenty to discuss, plenty to get on with, redistricting and the, the like, Israel, Hamas. Is there also a more fitting poetic-type tribute to the Carter legacy than to see the midst of we're in the midst of a four now five going into six and hopefully longer day ceasefire hostages being released. Uh, there's just something poetic about all that. Um, and, and yes, we, we will return to our <laughs> regularly uh, scheduled programming where I'm harping on, you know, them and <laughs> highlighting uh, our, our best assets going into an election cycle. But, it it just doesn't feel right to not spend Giving Tuesday seeing so much love shown and shared uh, in, in memory of the former First Lady, Rosalind Carter, to not spend a little bit more time paying tribute to her and to listen to the tributes being paid to her. And also, again, today, the rest of today's show is all about Giving Tuesday. I have sort of over time become a bit, sarcastic when it comes to Black Friday and the commercialization of the Christmas and 
Hanukkah. Now, all the holidays, really, <laughs> in the months of November and December. Uh, but I I do enjoy Giving Tuesday. I think that is really the the hallmark, to me, the nature of what the winter holidays were supposed to be about. Uh, service to others, right? Better to give than to receive, correct? And so there are many fantastic organizations worthy of giving your spare dollar to. I chose three today to give my spotlight to. And so we will talk with Katedra Phillips with the organization A-Reach, which helps to focus on the brain health, the mental wellness of the underserved and marginalized youth throughout Metro Atlanta. We will talk with her next. We will also talk with Jeff Graham, Executive Director of Georgia Equality, that organization near and dear to my heart, being a 49-year-old Southern-born gay man. And, of course, I'm a pet lover, so we'll talk with Heather Friedman from Lifeline Animal Project. When the Ron Show returns here on America One Radio, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. This is the Ron Show on America One Radio. So it's Giving Tuesday, and I thought... Let's at least devote half the show, if we can, maybe a little more, to rewarding some nonprofits with some exposure, hopefully. And hopefully you'll do the same by cracking open the wallet, virtually, of course, and uh, helping out a few organizations that are near and dear to communities uh, in my heart, if not completely uh, embodying who you've gotten to know me to be a little bit. I'm an animal lover. We'll have someone on from Lifeline Animal Services in a little bit. Uh, We'll also have someone on from Georgia Equality. And uh, I'd like to introduce you and get to know as well the executive director from A Reach, and that is Katedra Phillips. Katedra, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So tell me about A Reach uh, now in, going into its 12th year serving uh, Metro Atlanta's marginalized youth. Absolutely. It's been an honor. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the executive director and also the founder of the organization. And we have been uh, working very hard and actively in the community to focus on everything that helps our young people reach their fullest potential. So AREACH is a school and community mental health skill building program, and we offer evidence-based services uh, ranging from anywhere from interactive workshops where we bring in neuroscientists and teach young people about mental health, um, to also actually hosting brain training services inside of the community so that we eliminate any accessibility challenges and ensure that all of our young people have access to these very vital mental health build skill building building programs so that we can all have to be able to reach our full potential. This is a, a fascinating organization and uh, a goal. Um, I, I say that because I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, becoming more aware in my older age to the sort of traumas that uh, folks in underserved communities find themselves absorbing throughout life. Well, we all do, honestly. We all absorb traumas from uh, our childhood and upbringing, uh, but it's uh, it's exemplified. It's 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 tenfold, twentyfold sometimes, or, or even worse, uh, in in marginalized communities. So, how did you identify this need and then define a reach's target? Absolutely. So I worked in the school system uh, for a little over 10 years um, with Atlanta Public Schools. Mm. So I was able to really gauge closely with the kids and identify some of the self-defeating behaviors. Mm. And with Atlanta Public Schools being um, largely a Black um, school system where we are about today 73% Black kids, there is no secret that there is, you know, a number of challenges that Black people face on a mental health perspective altogether. 
with the stigma being one of the the greater things that, you know, challenges us from getting access to the help. And so, um, as I mentioned, working in the school system, I definitely saw the need and we got involved and we started to just take kids out to do positive acts in the community, volunteer work and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then we shortly discovered that there was a lot more that was needed. Um, And as I mentioned, as you mentioned, we've been on this journey for quite some time. Um, So we are always like opening our minds to hearing our ears and our our minds to hear and understand what can better impact the kids. And now we are here totally focused on mental health and mentorship and bringing in the perspective of neuroscience to educate them. Because our theory is if we can teach you and help you understand how your brain works, Mm. then you have a greater opportunity to operate from a better mental health standpoint. You mentioned working in the public school system. Do you find that public schools are are willing to work with organizations like E-Reach to sort of supplement their guidance counselors and goals? Yes, um, they absolutely have opened the doors for our our programs to operate inside of the school systems during school hours um, to, you know, really serve those underperforming students that they have identified can greatly use the service. Mm. And then also just opening up the floor for us to just take in those interactive workshops to educate all the children about the way that the brain works, as I mentioned, because we feel that that is the greatest way to really help them adapt to the tools and the, you know, identifying ways that they can, you know, build themselves in a better mental standpoint. Oh man, what a fantastic asset we have in A-Reach here in the Atlanta metro community. Uh, So you've been in existence again for a a little more than, or uh, going into your 12th year. So you should start seeing the benefits of your organization coming to bear, correct? Can you give us some examples, not citing names exact, uh, exactly, but cite an example or example or two that you, you can actually show the benefit of, of A-Reach working with kids? So we just closed out one of our third contracts with the Boys and Girls Club, and we just got feedback uh, yesterday from one of the from the director there. And I will actually just quote what he said. Mm -hmm. He said that uh, the unit managers are eager to have you continue uh, another third, another term with the children. The children were looking for the A-REACH program to show up because they don't often have an opportunity to express their emotions and understand how to themselves. Mm. So what we see with the children, with some of the feedback we get from parents and some of the uh, educational staff is a lot of uh, a lot of kids are experiencing more calmer behavior, Mm. um, heightening their focus, eager to set goals and follow through on their commitment. And it's just a full circle, you know, beneficial experience to see the children getting to know, being more self-aware and understanding how to use these things to help them reach their full potentials. Wow, that is so important too. Uh, We've discussed this before uh, and, and have had, you know, sociology professors and sociologists on before that have talked about how societally Uh, Angry youth can be seen as dangerous, but angry black youth are disproportionately seen as more dangerous to outside society. And working on these sort of, uh, you you know, anger awareness and and temperament skills can literally save lives. It's, It's hard to statistically quantify that as lives saved, but you literally are saving lives. Thank you. That's our goal. Absolutely our goal. All right. So how can we help? How do folks uh, decide today's Giving Tuesday? I'd like to help a reach out. 
Absolutely. So you can take, go, go ahead and head over to the website. It's the www.areach.org. Mm-hmm. And any way that you can get involved would be greatly appreciated. We're always looking for volunteers who have a particular focus in the mental health sector. Um, we can also, you can also help us by spreading awareness. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the companies that you work with like to match donations or anything like that, or you can make a monetary donation, uh, something as small as $59 could purchase a session for a young person to go through the brain training experience and have an immediate relaxing experience, mm-hmm. but then also uh, awareness of how their mental state regulates. So there's a number, way, number of ways to get involved, and we are eager to have you guys on board with us. All right. We'll include that link, areach.org, in our show notes at ronshowatl.com. Uh, Katedra Phillips from AReach here in Atlanta. Thank you so much for seeing the need and seeking to fill the need. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. How fantastic is that? I mean, coat drives and canned food drives, school supply drives, all well and good. How about mental wellness drives? Thank you, A-Reach. More Ron Show on Giving Tuesday after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. Want to be on the show? Have a cause or campaign you'd like to speak up for? Email Ron at RonShowATL.com or call 404-919-2725. The Ron Show on America One Radio. All right, it's Giving Tuesday. I figured again what we would do is we would... uh give some of our airtime on today's show, in fact, most of it, to uh, spotlighting some organizations that uh, mean so much to me. And I'm still sitting here uh, goosebumps after getting to talk with Cathedral Phillips at A Reach. What a fantastic organization that is. A little bit later, we'll talk with Heather from Lifeline Animal Services. Y'all know I'm an animal nut. But uh, I want to bring back friend of the show and executive director for Georgia Equality, Jeff Graham. Jeff, how are you? I am great today. Thank you, Ron. Thanks for asking. And thank you for, for having me on the show to, to talk a little bit about Giving Tuesday. Yeah, my pleasure. So obviously it's Giving Tuesday and uh, we're, we're asking folks to do whatever they can. You know, don't put themselves out, but do whatever they can to help out organizations that mean the most to them. And if you will, kind of explain what those who, uh, who give to Georgia Equality see put into action throughout the calendar year. Yeah, so uh, certainly everybody, I think, thinks of us uh, in terms of the work we do with the legislature and the, and the work that we do during election time. But what folks may not realize is that um, uh, over the last couple of years, we've built our staff up. Uh, we actually have a staff of 11. And so we have people that are out in the community 12 months out of the year uh, working to organize and educate faith communities organize, educate, and mobilize young people. We have a South Georgia organizer based out in Savannah that is doing work in the entire Southeast uh, of this state. Um, And then we have, you know, the rest of our staff working here in the metro Atlanta area. We do work in city councils, county commissions. We're reaching out into school boards Some of this is still around policy, but others of it is to make sure that people understand how their government works Mm -hmm. and how they can have a voice in affecting the lives of uh, LGBT community, whether it's uh, your own life or the life of someone you care and love for. There's a lot of work to, to be done here in Georgia, and the work never stops. It's funny you mentioned school boards because I think it's been in the last calendar year or so, maybe a little more, that it's come to uh, everyone's realization that 
You know what? It, we should pay more attention to folks who are running for school board seats because yeah. there's a lot of impact, in, negative and positive, towards our, our school kids that are drawn into existence on our school board level. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, we are we are trying to uh, do a better job of that ourselves as an organization. Um, I, uh, judicial races and school board races, uh, frankly, we take the position that they're a little bit different than other races um, for office. We always want good, well-qualified people, but, you know, at a legislature, county commission, city council, you want people from a variety of backgrounds. Uh, with judges and with school board members, you want people that are going to be issue experts in education, mm-hmm. that really will be putting forth the best overall educational policies that they can. And so um, to be able to impact the policies as an advocacy organization is one thing. To be able to really work with the communities so that we can do a good job when we do endorse candidates of supporting people that aren't just running for office to run for office, but really have the best interest of the, of the kids, the educators, and the communities at heart uh, when they're running for those very important positions on school board. Yeah, I, I just think back to the to the last 12 months. I mean, we, we, we've literally had a, a former pro wrestler uh, who, who is anti-trans, uh, who uh-huh. sits on a school board in Metro Atlanta and has been largely untouched. We've seen yeah. uh, book bans. We've seen a, a teacher lose her elementary school job reading a, an innocuous book about inclusion uh, just just within the last, well, six to, to nine months. And so, yep. Yep. Uh, you know, we, we talk about this before, how it's easy to get caught up in the losses. Uh, and it's hard to quantify the, well, it could have been worse if dot, dot, dot. But sometimes you have to look at it that way and just keep fighting the good fight. And that's what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that, Ron. In fact, one of the things that we uh, will be starting this week while the legislature is in special session is encouraging people to take this opportunity to reach out to their legislators. Mm. Um, uh, Most folks are going to be down at the Capitol uh, waiting for a vote to happen. And so it's going to be a special uh, time that people can, can call their state representative or they, their state senator, and there's a good chance they'll be able to get them on the phone. And we want people to just share stories of how having access to medical care, access to educators, access to supportive services um, that affirm your identity, whether it be your gender identity, your sexual orientation, even your racial or ethnic identity, all of that is under attack so much these days. And we hear all of the negative stuff and bad stuff about what happens when those are taken away. But we really want to to emphasize to the legislators that there's a lot of positive things that happen when people have access to this. Mm -hmm. It improves their lives. Um, And we hope to be able to do more of this leading into the legislative session in January. Um, uh, and before things really heat up by the end of January and February, when we start talking about all the horrible stuff, we really want to turn it around a little bit and talk about why it is so important in individuals' lives 
especially the lives of transgender and gender nonconforming folks mm -hmm. um, that have taken the brunt of so many of these attacks to really share their joy, the things that have been good in their life because they've had access um, to, to, to medical care or access to a supportive uh, teacher or access uh, to a supportive community um, uh, in the hopes that those stories will begin to resonate uh, with legislators that they really are doing a lot of harm when they take those things away, but also they're doing great benefit when they allow those things to go forward. Uh, we're on with Jeff Graham. He's the executive director at Georgia Equality. It's Giving Tuesday. Of course, we're going to ask you to, uh, to if, if if you see it within your heart to do so, to uh, to assist them uh, on, on Giving Tuesday. You can visit them at, uh, it's georgiaequality.org, right? I got that right. That is, okay. georgiaequality.org, yes. <laughs> so while, while we're talking about... Uh, Medical care. Uh, what what is the latest? I know that there's a lot of legal jostling going on with the uh, the gender affirming care ban uh, for for those under the age of eighteen in the state of Georgia. Where are we on that? Yeah, at, at, at this point in time, um, we are waiting for uh, the the lawsuit to go to a full trial. Um, uh, there had been a preliminary injunction uh, placed on that that was lifted. Um, uh, when the the federal appeals court uh, reinstated the ban in, okay. in in Alabama, so uh, nothing really has changed at this at this point in time. Um, I, I, so we're we're still waiting for for legal action to take place on that. But okay. we do know that that there um, are a number of bills that have already been filed, introduced at the legislative session that would take the existing ban and expand it even further. My God. And so that's why um, I, I, you know, we, we need to have a counter narrative to what has been put out there that um, uh, kids that uh, have access to gender affirming care are somehow uh, being mistreated. That's why we really want uh, to have this counter narrative that no, uh, in fact, it is the access to gender affirming care. As they get older, they begin to appreciate more and more mm. how early access to care, to support, to role models helped their lives. So this is a great opportunity for transgender, gender nonconforming, gender queer adults to share their experiences of someone that helped them along the way, um, how much fuller they feel their life is because they're able to live their authentic self, to share their stories of transitioning, um, to again, emphasize and educate the legislature that uh, these are very new issues to most of the folks that are down there. Um, so that they understand that affirming someone's right to be their authentic self um, is a huge benefit to the overwhelming number of people um, uh, that do transition uh, in, 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 their, in their life. Um, and, and it's not the negative stories that they've heard from one or two people that regret that decision later on. That that's not representative of the real experiences of, of most transgender folks. On that note, it would seem that there are Republicans in the Georgia legislature who are sort of now seeing the benefit of Medicaid expansion. And 
I'm wondering if you could speak on the impact that that might have for uh, LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ citizens in Georgia to finally have access to a lot of what is uh, unaccessible to them without that sort of uh, healthcare expansion. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, uh, just like anyone else, um, uh, members of the LGBT community that don't have access uh, to basic healthcare needs um, are, are put at a disadvantage. It's harder to keep a job. It's harder to live a quality of life. Um, and, you know, ultimately uh, living with health conditions or having a health condition that, that deteriorates, mm-hmm. um, I. I really destroys someone's quality of life. Mm. And so um, uh, we will be working uh, with the Cover Georgia Coalition uh, very much in, in 2024 um, to begin to push um, uh, with some renewed vigor um, why we need full Medicaid expansion here in Georgia, why it's good. Uh, it's good for everyday Georgians. It's good for members of the LGBTQ community. It's good for people living with chronic medical conditions such as HIV mm-hmm. um, that are currently denied access uh, to, to the care because they aren't able to qualify for Medicaid. And unfortunately, we just are now seeing almost six months into it that uh, the Pathways to Coverage program uh, that the state of Georgia I did enact earlier this year. Um, uh, I believe the latest numbers are that there's only around 2,000 people that are on the program. We know that the need is closer to half a million. Mm. And um, uh, things do need to change. And, and yes, I, I do believe uh, that uh, more and more Republican lawmakers are beginning to see the benefits of expanding Medicaid. There was a hearing just a, a few weeks ago um, uh, where several Republicans talked about mm-hmm. how they need to rethink Medicaid expansion here in Georgia. Well, and I got to thinking about it when you mentioned uh, those who are living with HIV/AIDS. How about those who are looking to avoid getting HIV/AIDS? I, I I know that I'm thankful that I can afford health insurance out of pocket, uh, you know, monthly. But I also know how much you know, uh, Bictarvi or Truvada or, or any of those, you know, in, anti-HIV uh, medications cost before insurance chips in or, or covers it. And if you don't have any sort of healthcare coverage, you can't afford that. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's uh, a, some wonderful programs uh, that community-based organizations and health departments offer low-cost and no-cost access to to pre-exposure prophylaxis very Mm. specifically. But we also know that um, a a health department or an HIV service organization is not necessarily um, uh, the easiest place for for a lot of folks who would benefit from these HIV prevention uh, uh, efforts. Uh, to, to access, they don't live near a health department. Right. They don't know where their local ASO, um, aid-serving organization, may be. Mm-hmm. So, if they had access to to Medicaid, they could probably go and pick up a prescription uh, yep. through their their primary care doctor. Or, uh, you know, frankly, one of the issues that we're going to start talking about here in Georgia, see if we can get some traction on this in the next year or two. 
uh, is to be able to allow pharmacists to prescribe PrEP, at least initial mm. uh, treatments of, of both uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis as well as post-exposure prophylaxis. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that if you have uh, engaged in, in high-risk sexual behavior, that there is uh, post-exposure prophylaxis that you can take afterwards for a short period of time as well that will reduce the chances that you would actually contract HIV. And so these are these are things that we need to talk about here in Georgia. These are things that Georgia Equality will be very involved with in 2024. And the cool thing is those who would like to know more about this and be able to speak better about these topics can actually go to advocacy clinics that Georgia Equality puts together. You can get more information about that at georgiaequality.org. That's where we're going to send folks to uh, to donate to Georgia Equality on this Giving Tuesday, if given the opportunity to. Anything else that we need to keep on our radar in the meanwhile? That's quite a bit. Thank you so much, Ron, for, for giving us an opportunity to talk about our work today and the many facets of our work from healthcare to policies that affect young people to fighting discrimination and to educating voters uh, on their choices at the, at the ballot box. That's the work of Georgia Equality, and that's what we do to help advance fairness, safety, and opportunity for LGBTQ Georgians and people living with HIV here in the state of Georgia. All right, visit georgiaequality.org. We'll keep that in the show notes today at Rancho ATL this giving Tuesday. Jeff Graham, Executive Director of Georgia Equality. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. You take care. Final segment of the Ron Show for Tuesday, Giving Tuesday. And if we've... Uh, had a good time talking with Cathedral Phillips at A Reach in Atlanta. What a fantastic organization that is. As well, catching up with Jeff Graham from Georgia Equality. I'm with Heather Friedman, who is the chief marketing officer with Lifeline Animal Project. Y'all know I love me some kitties and puppies. In fact, Dooley uh, got her reproductive care taken care of. I put that in air quotes at Lifeline Animal Projects Clinic uh, in DeKalb County. Heather, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having us on today. So I know you guys are in dire need of uh, facilities upgrades. And, uh, and of course, you guys offer so much, again, healthcare for, uh, for at-risk at, at pets, pets and, and folks who have pets who may not can afford the cost of going to a veterinarian to receive the sort of care that is necessary. So tell folks, first of all, how they can give to Lifeline Animal Project. Yes, please visit lifelineanimal.org. And that's our website, and you can learn more about what we do here in Atlanta. We were founded in 2002 with a mission to end the euthanasia of healthy and treatable animals in our shelters. And that's what brought you guys to my attention. Uh, that, that, that's the goal, to end euthanasia. And yet, because you guys are working in contract with DeKalb County, and DeKalb County needs better facilities, and you guys are working with them to hopefully have uh, that, that sort of thing uh, you know, down the road, you're trying to avoid the euthanasia part, and that's that's been a dicey situation with such an uptick in strays, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2013, we took over management of this CAB and Fulton County Animal Services, both those shelters, mm-hmm. and we currently get about 16,000 animals every year come into those shelters. And this year, it's been unprecedented numbers of animals needing support. There's animals that need medical treatment and that are injured, and there are just so many animals in need of homes. So uh, donations cover the cost of care, help us care for the additional animals that we have. We also have about a thousand animals in foster homes that we also support. We provide medical care and food, so donations help 
support our foster families and they are so wonderful in keeping pets in temporary homes that they don't have to live in the shelters right now. So it's been a, just a really difficult year this year. We had the canine flu in January and there's been just increases in adoptions and just veterinary shortages. So it's been incredibly challenging and we are doing everything possible to make sure animals end up in homes where they belong. And so that's where uh, we need the community support is to continue to do that life-saving work. By the way, can we just talk about the world-class facility that Fulton County just opened here recently? That's, I mean, oh my goodness, it's 50,000 square feet. We are having our grand opening this Saturday, so please come out and check it out. There'll be tours and training, and it's just it is stunning, and it's going to be such a fun family destination. If you're looking for a pet, it's beautiful. There are so many play yards. We have outdoor catios for the cats. So mm-hmm. not only do the dogs get to play outside, but now our cats will have access to fresh air, and they can play outside in these screened-in catios. Um, there's training rooms. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous facility, and it's just best in class, and we're so grateful that Fulton County um, – has opened up such an amazing facility and we're excited to be moving in this week. I have to keep that kind of quiet over here because I've got two cats. One in particular, he loves to go outside. He, I think he'd perk up if he heard something about a catio, but uh, I like, to, I, I, I have a little harness and a leash. I take him out to the courtyard here in my condo building when the weather's accommodating, but uh, that catio sounds nice for Herschel. Anyway, so where are we on getting something just like that for DeKalb County? Because I know you guys are doing all that you can, but they need they need Everything more. We can. Yeah. And so in 2019, DeKalb County opened up a new facility. But in fact, there's so much need lately that we're seeing in our community that there's just too many animals. Um, and so they're looking at trying to see if we can add um, another facility, add on to it, because um, it's just the need is really great in Atlanta for people in pet care. And as a matter of fact, um, four times a year, Lifeline hosts events. We call them Healthy Pets events. We invite the entire community in Fulton and DeKalb County to come out to a park, and we provide free microchips, free vaccines, free spay-neuter vouchers. We're doing everything possible to keep more pets and people together. Mm. And so that pets stay out of the shelters and they stay with the families that love them. And so we um, will be continuing that work and donations today also help fund those events. They help care for heartworm treatment so that um, dogs can go to foster home and get free heartworm treatment, or we even pay for um, heartworm treatment for adopters too. So we're doing everything we can to make adoptions easy, to make uh, fostering easy and fun, and just getting these animals into the homes they so desperately deserve. As an aside, by the way, the microchipping is really important. I had a friend of mine who was dog-sitting for some friends of his. They were taken at gunpoint in Castleberry Hill over the weekend, and we're hopeful that those dogs can be recovered because they are microchipped. And so we're kind of keeping our our fingers crossed on that. But definitely get your pets microchipped if at all possible. Absolutely. And there's so many locations. You can go to any veterinarian and ask them to do a scan. There are some fire stations that have scanners, Hmm. and you can also get them scanned at the shelter too. But tags, collars, and microchips are the best way to get reunited with your pet. Absolutely. All right. Good deal. So again, folks can go to lifelineanimal.org if they'd like to donate. They can also volunteer their time, right? I see my, my buddy uh, Yoshi, uh, Jonathan's always volunteering uh, with, with Lifeline. We have the most incredible volunteer base ever. It is such a 
fun things to do. There's so many different ways to volunteer and help. It's, you know, from walking to enrichment activities with the dogs and cats, laundry. The volunteers are absolutely part of the team and they make life-saving possible. They make great content. They send us pictures so that we can help market these pets. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really wonderful way of getting involved. And of course, adopt, don't shop. Go get yourself a puppy or a kitty at Lifeline. They uh, would, would love to, first of all, have a, a warm, loving home to send an animal to, but also some space for those that are still there. Absolutely. Everybody has a choice when it comes to finding the right pet. And we believe we can find the pet with the right personality and the right um, match for every family. So we have some great matchmakers in the shelters. We encourage everybody to come on in. And it really helps save a life, truly. It does when you when you choose to adopt. So we're very grateful for our community um, that does that. Heather Friedman, marketing Chief Marketing Officer with the Lifeline Animal Project. Thank you so much for joining us this Giving Tuesday. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ron. And by the way, they just got a $30,000 donor. If they can get $30,000 donated to them, they will match up to $30,000. So go to lifelineanimal.org and make your donation. That's it for the Ron Show show notes. Links to all these charities and more at ronshowatl.com. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on America One Radio. We'll see you then.